For me, the night is a period of time. It has a distinct feel to it, but it's a place I pass through, not a part of who I am. But what if the night was like a planet with just the right atmosphere so you could breathe? What if it was your muse or your soulmate? Listening to Nocturne, I'm Vanessa Lowe. Here's what a good night is to me fall asleep easily, sleep soundly. Don't wake up in the middle of the night worrying about stupid things that don't bother me during the day. No freaky dreams, wake up well rested. So, if at all possible, in the wee hours of the night, I'm gone. Other people are up having a whole life, having their most dazzling thoughts, their meals, their daily tasks. Amanda Gefter is almost 100% living her life in the moments when I hope to be unconscious. For me, settling down into the night means letting go. This is where Amanda begins her day. My name's Amanda Gefter, and I am a science writer. I write about theoretical physics, usually, and cosmology. I'm not embarrassed to admit that I wasn't sure what cosmology was. It's the science of the origin and development of the universe. And I write for magazines like New Scientist and Nautilus and Nature, and then I write books as well. I have a book out called Trespassing on Einstein's Lawn. Trespassing on Einstein's Lawn was named one of the best books of the year by Kirkus Reviews. It's part memoir and part cutting-edge physics, which is a good segue into describing Amanda. She's not someone who's easy to peg. Despite the heady topics she writes about, when you speak with her in person, it feels like you're out having drinks with your bubbly girlfriend. But as she works on her second book from her apartment in Cambridge, Massachusetts, her life looks very little like you might imagine, because Amanda has what's known as sleep-wake inversion, which is a fancy way of saying that she's nocturnal. Really. Nocturnal like an owl or a raccoon. You see them once in a while in daylight, but they're really doing their thing at night. As you listen to her story, it might be tempting to forget this. She sounds a lot like your sister or your neighbor. But if left to her own devices, Amanda exists basically in a different world from the one most of us inhabit. My sort of natural schedule is to stay up until 7 or 8 in the morning and then you know, sleep until 3 or 4 in the afternoon. And so I naturally have like a completely inverted schedule and so I'm up all night and sleep during the day. I've always had a complicated relationship with sleep. Apparently, this has been since I was an infant. Um, Like, my mother tells me that when I was a baby, I would, you know, had a hard time sleeping through the night, which I think is normal for babies, but then I would sleep late into the morning, and she was excited that she had the one kid that, you know, would sleep till 11 a.m. or something. So it started in infancy and has always been this way, although I think when I was... Younger, I didn't quite realize the extent of it because I was sort of forced onto a normal schedule by, you know, school and everything. And so I think for me, I just felt um, sort of jet-lagged all the time and tired all the time. In fact, it wasn't until she was a working writer and could pretty much set her own hours that Amanda realized what her normal hours were. But she always knew that the schedule she was supposed to be on didn't feel like the right one for her. 
As a kid, she even had a name for the time of day she preferred to be awake. I called it altar hours, like altar as an alternative, and I guess I had coined this expression for inverting day and night. I just knew that I was meant to live on the reverse of, of our normal day, be awake at night and sleep during the day. And I just had this strong sense as a child that I was living in the wrong time. I think about people who talk about just knowing that they were born into the wrong body, like they're trapped in the wrong body. And I just think I always had the sense that I was trapped in the wrong time. But it's not that I thought there's something wrong with me, I'm weird. It was never like that. It was like, there's something wrong with the world, you know, like I should be able to live on the hours that I want to live. When I was first left to my own devices, like maybe in college, I started to see that my, my natural schedule was to go to bed really anywhere between 5 and 8 in the morning, something like that, and then, you know, sleep about 8 hours. You know, it's not insomnia. Um, I had no trouble sleeping. It's just that I would, you know, sleep at the wrong hours. But as I've gotten older, it changed into something called non-24-hour sleep disorder, which is when your brain doesn't think that a day is 24 hours, basically. So my, my um, circadian clock thinks that a day is about 25 and a half hours, which is closer to a day on Mars than on Earth. Um, I don't know what that tells you, but I was clearly born on the wrong planet. Because of this, Amanda doesn't just go to sleep at the same time every night and get up at a set time. Her sleep schedule is much more flexible than most people's. Even still, it takes a lot of effort for her to participate in at least some of the daytime world. So frequent fatigue has definitely been an issue. But Amanda's unusual schedule creates a lot of other challenges that you might not think of offhand. One of the things that's always been strange for me, especially if I stay up, you know, really until full-on morning, um, is that the day changes in the middle of my day, right? Like, so my day starts off and it's Tuesday, and then somewhere in the middle of my day, it becomes Wednesday. And so I always have a very hard time remembering what day it is. And if I, you know, need to like do something during business hours, like go to the post office or the bank, it's going to be sort of impossible for me to wake up in time to go do it. So usually I'm doing it in the morning, which is my night <laughs> before I go to bed. That would be the equivalent for a normal person of doing their errands at 11 p.m. or something. The other, like, really strange thing schedule-wise is if I go to dinner with friends, that's almost always my breakfast. While Amanda has been nocturnal her whole life, she and her family never saw it as a problem, partly because it runs in her family. My father will easily stay up till maybe four in the morning, something like that. And then his mother, my grandmother, um, was exactly the same way. She, in her 90s, she was staying up until you know, three in the morning. So I think it wasn't crazy to think that I was a night owl, but I don't think we ever, we, we certainly never talked about it as a sleep disorder. Quite the contrary. When Amanda was in high school, she and her dad would stay up late into the night just the two of them, and have the kinds of deep conversations you don't usually think about teenagers having with their fathers. About 
the universe and you know how the universe began and the nature of reality and all of these sort of big philosophical topics and and because of that we became really interested in physics and actually started teaching ourselves physics and so we would stay up all night reading physics books and having these conversations and and that um sort of steered my entire career and the, the book that I wrote it's a book about the nature of reality but it's also a memoir about my father and I trying to you know answer these questions and I think honestly if we hadn't both been up you know with all this time late at night to talk when no one else was there and there was no distractions you know I don't know that any of that would have ever happened. While Amanda didn't see her sleep habits as a disorder she did find herself almost unconsciously doing things to cover it up. I've sort of my whole life tried to hide this about myself and and sort of come up with all these coping mechanisms for making sure other people don't know. And I'm trying really hard to not do that anymore because I don't really think there's something inherently wrong with it. And I think it is a real sleep disorder. There are a lot of people that have it. But I always just had this feeling that if people knew the hours I was sleeping, that they would think I was lazy. And I don't really know where that comes from because it's not like I was ever sleeping more than anyone else. And if anything, I was probably sleeping a lot less than other people because I always had to skip nights. But I, I just think if people hear you're waking up and it's two in the afternoon, it just looks bad. They just think you can't get your life together or something. And it doesn't matter that I was like working really hard all night long, you know. I would, you know, write all my emails in the middle of the night and then I would set an alarm for 10 a.m. And I would, you know, wake up, roll over, grab my phone, you know, hit send on all my emails and go back to sleep. Or like I often, if somebody said, can I give you a call at whatever time? And I would say, oh, I have morning appointments, but if you could call me at two, that would be great. For most of us, meeting a romantic partner is just a matter of finding someone we share similar interests with and chemistry. But what if you were asleep when most of those people were living their daily lives? Having this schedule does an interesting thing to the dating pool because if I'm going to meet someone, it's usually going to be late at night. So because of all this, for years, everyone I dated was either a bartender or a DJ or an artist or, you know, like something where they work at night and sleep during the day. And that was always really perfect and easy, except that, uh, I don't know how to say this in a good way. (laughs) I guess I would say I was sort of selecting more for schedule than for intellectual compatibility or, you know, like similar interests or things like that. So I think in the end, those relationships didn't work out because I wasn't really choosing someone on the right uh, criteria. Here's where Amanda's story gets more complicated. While being nocturnal used to just seem like a personality quirk, it began to look more and more like a problem when she hooked up with her first day-dwelling boyfriend. She finally found a guy she really connects with, but he lives in what almost feels like a different world. So now I'm dating someone who has like a normal nine to five job and that's the first time I've ever done this. And we met online on like a dating site. So that was how we were able to even meet in the first place. His name is Justin, I think we can use it, yeah. It's been really challenging. I mean, I think more so for him than for me. Um, I I guess it's sort of for both of us. 
But here's the funny thing, and I bring this up with him whenever we get in an argument about this. Here's what Amanda wrote in her online dating profile. I work from home, which is great because I'm an extreme night owl. On his dating profile, he said something like, message me if you want to talk about anything and everything into the wee hours of the night. And so anytime we get in an argument about schedule, I'm like, you said into the wee hours of the night. And he's like, well, most people think the wee hours are like two in the morning, not 7 a.m., you know. I think when he saw Extreme Night Owl, he read that as what would be extreme to him, which is to me not extreme at all. And then likewise, guys sort of projected, oh, he wants to stay up till the wee hours of the morning. That must mean he's similar to me. And so I think we just sort of went in with false impressions. (laughs) An old story with a new twist. But aside from the fact that they're mostly not awake at the same time, Amanda and Justin have a lot in common. We're most compatible intellectually, for sure. Um, We think really similarly, and we can talk through our thought processes in this way that I've just never experienced before, where we're just on the same exact page as we think things through, and we can communicate so well. And yeah, we're both sort of interested in similar things. Their biggest differences are not that surprising. He's an extrovert, and I'm an introvert. I need a lot of alone time. I get sort of exhausted by social interactions, even though I can enjoy them. I love to read, I love to write. All of my favorite things to do are sort of solitary activities and I'm someone that I just sort of live in my head a lot. But all of this goes well with this lifestyle, you know, that's sort of forced on me. And, um, you know, he's someone that loves to be out among people and, and so like you have to sort of do that at the hours that people are out, so. It actually took a little while before this difference between Amanda and Justin became obvious. Remember, she was pretty adept at hiding her alter hours. I think as soon as we started having sleepovers, that was, it became apparent. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where like you're on your best behavior in the beginning. And so I probably tried to like play it down a little bit or just try to suck it up and seem like I'm going to bed even if I just kind of laid there. And he probably likewise was a little more kind about me having trouble getting up in the morning. So I think it took a little while for us to show our two colors and be like, no, this might be a real challenge. Sleepovers are really tricky. I don't really ever sleep over at his place, or rarely, I should say, because I won't have been up for that many hours. I don't really want to just go to bed right away. And so if I'm at, at my place, at least I can be up all night working and doing things. And um, But if I'm at his place, it's sort of like, like I'm just there trying to be quiet, which I just feel funny about spending my whole day being quiet. (laughs) For me, it's difficult because I sort of feel like I'm the one that has to compromise. I could imagine if you're looking at the situation from the outside, that makes total sense. I'm the one that's doing something weird, and so I'm the one that, you know, everyone else is on this other schedule, like I should be the one that has to change. But there's a little part of me that feels like, well, for me, this is normal. And so if you say to me, can you please just, you know, get up at 10 so we can go, you know, to this exhibit or, you know, whatever it is and do this thing. And I'll say, you know, yeah, of course. But then I don't feel like I have the option of saying, can you please just stay up till seven in the morning so we can do whatever, you know, like no one's going to do that. So I just have this slight resentment. While there are clearly some significant challenges navigating a relationship in which the two people are on opposite schedules, Amanda doesn't really see this as a huge problem. 
She only has to look to her own parents' relationship to see how well it can work. Her mother is diurnal. My mom's completely normal. Looking back at, you know, my parents, their sleep schedules overlapped for a few hours, but otherwise they didn't care that one person's up and one isn't. And they never fight, and they accept that they're just on different schedules and there's nothing weird about that. I never saw this as a conflict between my parents, so I never thought about it. Like, growing up, I never thought it's important to date somebody that's on your same schedule. So it's just been interesting for me as an adult now having my own relationships to realize that for some people that's actually a really big issue. So now Amanda's found love, but she's also found a diagnosis. And for the first time, there's a compelling reason to change this core thing about herself. It was only when I got into the relationship that I'm in now where I sort of wanted for the first time in my life to actually try to change it. And that's when I started looking into it. And I you know, spoke to a sleep specialist and learned the names for all of these things. And it's funny how looking at it now, obviously I had a sleep disorder, but I just, I just didn't have to think about it that way until I wanted to try to change it. Justin wanted to know if there was any hope of Amanda's sleep schedule changing, even a little. She honestly wasn't sure but she really wanted this relationship to work. The sleep specialist recommended various things, light therapy, special glasses that filter out blue light, medications that made her feel drugged but didn't really help. And then she tried melatonin. Melatonin has been kind of a miracle pill for me. Basically, I'll take it and within an hour, I'm getting tired. And it's cool because it doesn't feel like a drugged tired. With the melatonin, I just feel like I'm naturally getting tired. It makes me feel like a sort of a normal human being, which is cool. <laughs> I remember the first night that I took it and we were together, we went to sleep and I woke up the next day and he looked at me and was like, I don't think I've ever seen you look awake before. And he was so excited because it was just like, oh my God, maybe, you know, all of our problems are solved. And I think it hasn't been quite that easy, but it's definitely, you know, it, I think it was a major concern for him. And I guess for me too. Well, if this was just a sleep disorder, as Amanda has come to talk about it sometimes, it might be pretty straightforward. But the night is part of Amanda. You know, once I realized that this worked, I was really excited and, you know, my boyfriend was really excited and he was sort of like, oh, you can be on a normal schedule now. And I sort of thought to myself, yeah, but like, I don't really want to be on a totally normal schedule. After Amanda and I spoke, we emailed a couple of times. She said she discovered that while the melatonin helps her go to sleep earlier and have a regular sleep schedule, her creative hours don't seem to shift in accordance she said she's always been able to feel her creative brain turn on around midnight. It's like a spark that gets ignited, and she has access to this whole creative realm. And what happens when she takes the melatonin is that she'll start to get sleepy at the same time that she feels the creative part of her brain waking up. She can't fight the sleepiness, and so she misses out on those creative hours. And she makes her living as a writer. So she started taking the melatonin later and later. Last night I went to bed at 8, well, this morning, 8 o'clock this morning. Um, like if I'm working and I'm on a roll, I just don't take it and I sort of wait and take it later. So I'm not doing the best job of like keeping myself steady. So my schedule changes a little bit still, but at least it's at my own doing. 
So there's something that works to put Amanda on a bit more of a normal schedule, if she wants to be. And she and Justin spend time together like other couples do. Sort of. We do go out to dinner, even though it'll be my breakfast. And then we'll go to movies or, like, we'll just hang out at home. Or um, I mean, I feel like we do normal things. We just don't often. Like, it's tricky if we want to go to an art museum or we went to the aquarium recently or, you know, things that, like, close at a certain time or even, like, go shopping or something like that. I have to make, you know, a real effort to, to get up to do that. So that has to sort of be planned. Like, we can't, that doesn't happen spontaneously because I really have to, like, take the melatonin early and set an alarm. It's definitely a challenge. I think it's the number one challenge in our relationship, which to me is a a really good sign because I, I, I don't know. To, to me, it's not the biggest deal in the world. So I feel like if, if your sleep schedule is your biggest challenge, like you're in good shape. And again, this goes back to looking at my parents. And my parents are in this sickeningly happy relationship. They're like the cutest couple you've ever seen. So it can work if Amanda makes some changes and if Justin makes some compromises. And while every member of a couple needs to come to terms with how much to change themselves for the good of their relationship, there's almost a third person in this relationship if you consider Amanda's deep connection to the night. I mean, I feel very close to the night. I feel like that sounds silly, but I feel, I guess it feels like personal to me in this weird way. And I think that's part of even wanting to change my schedule to make my relationship work. And, and that's the most important thing. But there's this part of me that's really, really resistant to it. And, and I think it's like the night has become part of my identity in some way. And I feel most creative at night. I feel like it's just me in the world and I can just let my mind roam free and there's no distractions. Like when I'm working, there's no emails coming in. Nobody's on social media. There's nothing on TV. There's, you know, like there's just nothing else to do. I'm just sort of sitting in my own little world and thinking and creating. The night isn't a person, but it does clearly have a strong hold on Amanda. And its pull on her is felt by Justin. I mean, I, I just think he didn't like the idea that there might be things we couldn't do together. I think for someone who's always been in relationships with people on their same schedule, that they sort of expect that like you do all of your activities together. And so I think that was an adjustment for him to realize like, okay, if I wanna go do something in the morning, I'm just gonna have to go and do it by myself and we'll meet up later. He's not pushing me, but you know, for him, it would obviously be most ideal if I would just be on exactly his schedule. But I think he really does understand that, you know, I have a creative job and I've lived a certain way my whole life. You know, it is a little bit of part of my identity. I think he's willing to compromise to the extent of like, just being okay with me being up at slightly different hours as he is, as long as it's not the complete inverse. I asked Amanda how big a problem this all really is. I mean, I guess we'll have to see. I, if it weren't for the melatonin, I think it might be a deal breaker in the relationship. But I think if I can sort of keep it in check where I might be going to bed later than him and getting up earlier, but at least I'm keeping it on like a consistent schedule that I think it's like a challenge, but I just think, you know, we really love each other. There's so many good things that it would be a terrible shame for that to be like the downfall. <laughs> Amanda's quote, condition, has certainly created some challenges in her life, but it's given her treasures as well. 
it's not a clear-cut choice to abandon her relationship with a knight. It's made certain things more difficult, but certain things better. And I think the things that it's made difficult to me are like trivial things, like planning a meeting, getting to the post office, like whatever it is. But the things that it's enhanced are not trivial things. You know, they're things like giving me the freedom to think about the nature of reality and, you know, giving me time with my dad to talk about the beginning of the universe. So that trade-off to me is just so infinitely worth it that I just don't look at it as a disorder. My job is, you know, my whole life. It's my passion, and I, I don't think of it as a job at all. I just think I get to do what I love. And so to sort of have, like, the space and time and quiet to do that is just so precious to me. And I love that time. The thought of giving that up is really difficult for me. I always had this, like, I can't wait till I'm on my own and I can set my own hours. That was a big thing for me as a kid, looking forward to the day that I could set my own schedule and just live the way I felt like I needed to live. And so if there's part of me in thinking about changing it or, you know, fixing it, which I don't know how I feel about that term, um, where I'm like, you know, I've waited my life to, like, have this lifestyle, and now I do, and it just seems wrong to let that kid down, you know? <laughs> Amanda's decision about how much of herself to change for love looms a little larger than it does for most of us. It's a bit more extreme. She says that Justin understands her creative process and is becoming more and more accepting of their different schedules. He even booked a ski trip for them where they could ski at night. And when they travel, she uses the melatonin to make sure they go to sleep and wake up at the same time, which is her favorite part of their trips together. But she says she's still ambivalent about shifting to a more normal schedule, giving up her time alone with a night. I don't envy Amanda this choice, and actually, I hope she finds a way to not have to make it. When I picture her alone at night, thinking and writing and delighting in cosmic revelations, it's like picturing some shimmering alien on their strange and beautiful home planet. What makes the image even nicer, though, is to think of her taking a break from time to time, to hold hands or take a walk with her companion Earthling. I don't know how Amanda will navigate this journey, but I hope she finds a way to keep the new love she's found without letting go of her connection to the stars. I'm Vanessa Lowe. Nocturne is produced by me and was created by myself and Kent Sparling, who also composed the theme music. You can learn more about Nocturne at nocturnepodcast.org. You can listen and subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love to hear your nighttime stories. Email us at hello at nocturnepodcast.org.